Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Betting Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. I am Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 95, inching closer to 100. Good show planned for you. We have highlights, or lack thereof, from NFL Week 1. Have our Banker Tank review, to Ben's dismay, from Week 1, as well as our preview for Week 2. But first, baseball news, and it's not all negative. Actually, oh, most, of it's, most of it's not negative. It will be. Oh, now. I haven't bashed Rob Manfred in about four episodes, so that's coming. But as far as the actual content of the topic of conversation, it's not super negative. They have finalized, you know, two weeks away from the end of the season, of course, they finalized the playoff uh, structure for the 2020 season because why not wait till you got a gun in your head to do it? I, I don't understand this. <laughs> I don't uh, understand this. <laughs> So there's, there's a negative part, I guess. But they have actually decided they will be playing in a bubble. Sort of. Uh, what do you think of this setup? Before before we even before we even get into it and explain it, I, I want Ben's take. Oh, you just, you just he's trying me, to get something out here, and like I want to hear what he says. You just want me to reference like the idea of what's going on or the, the, the idiocy of why it took so long? Or both? Well, we're here to entertain people, so whatever you think is better. <sighs> It's just the same narrative that, that happens every time. Why do they need to wait till the last second to figure out what they're going to do? Why? Because Rob Manfred has no control of his game. Has this not become abundantly clear the last few months? Look, I'll admit, we, we were both wrong. And I'll admit myself, I was wrong. I was wrong, too. We, we, we both stated about a weekend when you had multiple teams missing over a week that this thing was not, this, this season was not going to finish. It was not going to be complete. It was going to get canceled, especially when all this talk of a second wave and all this other stuff, things shutting down, reopening, shutting down again, uh, players still testing positive. There's been very, very few positive tests since those first few weeks. And those few positive tests have been, those players have been sent away, quarantined, got healthy, come back. Some of them come back. Others are still waiting. They've handled that well. So I was wrong. I really did not think this season was going to finish. And it looks now like what Rob Manfred said, we're going to finish no matter what. So Rob Manfred was finally right about one thing, but I'm not going to give him too much credit because, as you said, <laughs> it still took them up until, let's see, it's the 15th today. So, yeah, exactly two weeks from today, the the playoffs start, the first ever wild card playoff round because there's 16 teams in it this year. We'll start... Tuesday, the 29th of September, and they just now, today, being Tuesday, the 15th as we're recording this, finalized the playoff arrangement. So that that seems to be MLB. That seems to be the way MLB does things. Let's I wait to the last minute. I don't understand why you can't figure this out all at the, at the same time. Like, I can understand the bubble wasn't there. We know why. I know, but Rob Manfred no doesn't way. know what he's doing, and and oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> the the entire MLB just flies by the seat of their pants. They yeah, just much. they just can't agree on anything. And I get the bubble concept didn't occur until you started seeing what the NBA was doing, the NHL was doing, but you still could have had this laid out, and then just at some point in I don't know what the thing started really hitting. Mid July, right, is when they started really getting 
tested positive. Was it mid July? Baseball. It? Yeah. Yeah, because they started. Let's see. Yeah, they started early July. So it was mid July. June. Actually, no. June twenty third was opening day technically. So yeah, early to mid July. You don't think right there is when you start to really. I know they started having preliminary discussions, but you should have had that. This should have been done by the beginning of September. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, you're right, and I don't even give them the excuse. Should have been, everything should have been figured out before they even stepped on the field to play a game. If they couldn't get it all sorted out before they stepped on the field, because what if they couldn't make this work? Now you've played this entire season for nothing because you don't have a place to go and play. And, and what, it doesn't make any sense. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Answer me this. So the bubble sites for the division series. Okay, so these are all four division. So the division series will be in L.A., San Diego, Arlington, and Houston. Yes. And then it shifts. The ALCS shifts to San Diego, and the NLCS shifts to Arlington. Yes. And then the World Series in Arlington. Okay. Because it seemed like uh, I kind of read it wrong. Um, Okay. I still... It's my overriding problem with the whole concept of you can't figure the stuff out until the last second is my problem. And you're never going to figure it out. And then this just just going to lead to work stoppage when that strike cap when when What does the strike have anything to do with this season and playing? It, it's just it's just more it's more stuff on it, it's more idiocy and and Incompetence on both parts. Yeah, I agree with that. MLB and MLBPA. That's the root cause of it, is that they just don't get along. So it takes them two, three months to figure out one little detail about one little thing. I hate to see what happens when the CBA comes up and they have to hammer that thing out before season starts. Well, just just to reiterate what Ben just said, because he was um, kind of kind of asking and explaining at the same time, but... What they've essentially decided is the, the the first round or the wild card round will be the best of three series, and what you'll have is the top four teams in each league will host the series at their home park. There won't be any travel to the other team's park like normally they play two games, have an off day, play other game, play at the other stadium, come back if they you know if they end up forcing game four or five. Uh, the vision series, the second round is where the bubbles will start. And as Ben mentioned, those four bubbles will be in Los Angeles, San Diego, Arlington, and Houston. Uh, That will be a five-game series for the division series. Then for the league championship series, uh, they will either move to, well, one of the teams will move to, the other team will stay, in San Diego and Arlington. San Diego will host the American League Championship Series. Arlington will host the National League Championship Series. And then the World Series will be held in Arlington. So... You're only going to have these four locations, and as it dwindles down, you're going to cut locations down. It'll make it easier to manage. It should work just fine. Obviously, the league championship and road series will be seven-game series. Very, very few, if any, off days. I think the only the schedule, the full schedule is already out. If you go to MLB.com, you can you can find the full schedule of playoff games and everything, when, when they're going to happen, what's, who's going to be the home team, the away team. Uh, the only thing... The only off days that I actually saw, unless you win your series early and close it out early, scheduled off days where there's two scheduled off days during the World Series. So you're not going to have your normal travel days in there and and all that. But you're not traveling. So, I mean, really, you don't need it. So it, it's fine. I actually like it. You're going to have – it's going to actually be exciting because I 
have a hard time watching regular season baseball right now because it's just it's not it, it's not good with no fans there. And we're gonna get into that in comparison to the NFL when we talk about the NFL in a few minutes. But I am looking forward to. I like playoff baseball. I like I like anything where you see the best of the best. We're not necessarily seeing the best with 16 teams over half the league in there, but the best of the best competing for the highest prize of what they do. I enjoy that. So I'm not going to sit there and watch every game from start to finish, but I will put it on for background noise. I will keep track of it far more than I would, uh, you know, the games now. Manfred says they're hoping possibly to have fans in attendance for the league championship series, hopefully for the World Series especially. But, you know, Manfred... Knowing Rob Manfred, he'll wait till five minutes before game time to try to finalize a plan. So, there's that. But, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's cool that um, we're going to get it. It's going to finish. But, how do you not... I always hate the, we're going to put an asterisk next to, next to the season. A 60-game season where so much stuff has changed. No one's going to look at whoever wins this as a legitimate World Series champion. I'm sorry. That's just how it's going to... The most diehard baseball fan I know has said it's going to be the season with an asterisk next to it. Not like the Houston winning asterisk because of, you know, the whole you know video camera thing, trash can thing, but I don't know. I, I, I would it, call it a win. I would... Look, I'm not going to take anything away. From whoever wins. I wouldn't take it either way. I wouldn't even put an asterisk near it. No, I'm not saying it's going to officially be there, but you know a lot of fans are going to do that. You know a lot of fans, because it's a 60-game season, not a 120, or 162, excuse me. So, this is how I would differentiate it, okay? Let's take college football. Only certain te- only certain conferences are playing right now, right? Right. They're not holding a, a national championship. So, even if... Let's say let's let's. They still doing top twenty five and everything. They're doing actually yeah they are doing top twenty five. Okay. You have uh, some weird teams at the mm-hmm. bottom of the twenty five list. Yeah, I can imagine that never been there before. Um, but even if you were let's say Alabama wins, they win the the conference championship because they'll set up a conference championship, and they proclaim themselves the national champions because they have the best record or whatever. Because it doesn't look like they're going to play anyone from the ACC or they're not going to play anyone from the Big 12. I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But Even if Alabama did, there's a good chance they'd be number one overall. Right. But that, in this instance, I would put an asterisk because not all the teams competed. So not not everyone else not everyone else was able to participate. You know, Ohio State wasn't able to participate. Oregon wasn't able to participate. You know, you just... You don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, whereas MLB, you have all the pieces to the puzzle. Everyone's, all 30 teams are able to play. Um, And there hasn't been, with the exception of the Cardinals, there hasn't been that huge strickening of the roster from from COVID. Nah, I don't don't know. The Marlins were. Huh? Marlins earlier. Oh, sorry. I forgot about the Marlins. Marlins were the OGs of the... COVID, Marlins were the first rampant version. COVID outbreak in the, in the clubhouse. But other than that, it's like no one really got hit too hard. So I, me personally, I would look at it, it's it's just a regular season. 
It is a shortened season, yes. But everyone's available to play. All 30 teams got uh, got to participate. They all had equal opportunity to participate. I would say the one lone exception is Toronto Blue Jays. They need to play at home because they played in a different country. Yeah, but every, everyone's all moving around, playing doubleheaders, playing seven. I'm more talking about the seven-inning games. The, the A lot of the rule changes they made this year, even before, because they were talking about putting the whole extra innings, yeah. putting a, a starting with a runner on second base anyways. Well, they, they have that in the minor leagues. Yeah, which I think is absolutely stupid. If you're going to keep playing, either do ties, have ties, or let, just keep playing until it's over. Like, that's it. Like, stop, don't, don't, don't hit off the kitty tee. Just because you want to go home earlier, well, player you, don't you, play. You know you can. You know player you, don't play. You know how you can fix this, right? You you clean up the other nine innings. You clean up the BS with the the, the pitchers. The BS. With yeah, the, we, we yeah we know that. But we, I'm just saying, like this. But that that that, in my opinion, that would negate the need to put the runner at second base to to speed up extra innings because your extra innings would go. What, you'll hit hour three. Okay. If it's an extra innings game, yeah, you can understand that. If your games are going 215, 230, typically. But when your games are typically going 315, 330, then yeah, you need to do something on your on your extra inning games yeah. to, to speed it up. But That's all, what you need to do. Yeah, all I'm saying though is people are gonna people are going to look at this season differently. I get it. The way the, whether it's fair or not, matter matter who got to participate or who didn't, uh, if you have all 30 teams, which they did. Okay, I get that. The way it was structured was different. The roster size was different. The the double headers being seven innings a piece was different. The fact that we argued so long before it started. This entire season, and I know what I just said about looking forward to the playoffs, and I am, and I plan on watching some games, uh, probably especially more the later rounds. But this entire season just seems a little half-assed to me. Honestly, I mean, look, I, I can appreciate them trying to piece it together, but once again, the NFL did a far better job. A far better job. Is baseball watchable to you right now? Do you want me to pull away the curtain real quick? I mean, we've, we've I beat this to death. I, just I haven't wanna, like... watched a game. Okay, fair enough. That's exactly my point exactly. NFL, what did you think of their presentation Especially compared to Major League Baseball. Because there are only two stadiums had fans in them this weekend. Uh, well, not this weekend. Uh, Kansas City, which was Thursday night for the opener. And then Jacksonville had uh, fans also. The rest was ambient noise and the stadiums in the league and the, the networks who were recording this stuff doing the best they could to to make this not suck. I have my opinion. What did you think? I think because they... It seemed like they purposely tried at some points to not televise the, the empty seats and just keep the focus on the field. And it seemed like the players were in it. They reacted like they normally would. Not, And I watched the Patriots, um, the entire Patriots game. It, it seemed like they were in the game, even without the crowd noise even without the crowd and it it seemed like they were in it so i appreciate them utilizing the ambient noise to kind of negotiate some of the ups and downs well not so much the downs really the ups of the game 
I didn't have a huge problem with it. It was weird. I initially was weird, um, but I kind of got into the flow of it and just, you know, because I, I think I think the advantage we we have is this is something new for us because we have a new starting quarterback. When was the last time we had a new, and I mean permanent new starting quarterback? Uh, it would be the old one season right. when Bledsoe went down injury. Thanks, Mo Lewis. So I, I think for us, for our perspective, it's different. Like, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, um, you have Big Ben. So you're excited because you got him back. Right. With the, the, the crap they had to deal with last year of all those quarterbacks. But if you look at someone like the Atlanta Falcons fans, they've had Matt Ryan forever and a day. They've had, you know, all the players. They, like It's the same team coming back. So I don't know what kind of. I think that's Todd Gurley, you know. Uh, like, yeah, okay, okay, I'll give you that. But it's like if if you have this infusion of of new talent or a, a, a revigor revitalized because a player's back, or or maybe the the Saints fans are excited because oh, this might be Drew Brees' last run. You know, you can find stuff, but if you have nothing, maybe they maybe a fan of that team is just eh. Not excited because they're not there or they're not seeing the, the, the crowd or feeling the crowd. Uh, but personally, uh, after a little while, I just – I was really into it because I yeah. just – I wanted to see what Cam could do. I wanted to see the new players on defense. I wanted to see what Nikhil Harry could do, what Jacoby Myers – well, he didn't do much, but just kind of see what the offense was going to look like. So that's what I was excited about. I was excited just to have football back. I mean, actually, the weekend before to have our fantasy drafts and then to come out and, and actually have the games on. And here's the thing. With the exception of, you know, the players that did opt out and the fans not being in the stands, this is the same product on the field that we've seen. Yeah. So, like, you could say with, with, with baseball, hey, we you know, might have an asterisk next to uh, the champion, fair or not fair, you might say that. With the NFL, nothing's changed right now except – the fans in the stands. The on-field product is still the same. And I agree with you. The players who – a lot of players will say, once they get into the game, they zone everything else out. Right. Unless it, they don't really notice the fans are there because they're so focused on the game, unless it gets so loud they can't hear. Then that's a problem. But you could tell, to your point, they were just getting into the games. You could see some highlights where the players were reacting to touchdowns, yeah. turnovers, the same way. The same way they always do. And they didn't – and I don't know if it clicked to them at some point where they're like, they're doing what they normally do, and all of a sudden they're looking as like, oh, there's nobody there. But it didn't seem to phase. No, because you still have a couple, you still have a hundred people on that sideline. Yeah, you still have all the people you've been to training camp with, all the all the guys you've you've trained with and you've right. practiced with, and you're trying to you know work as a unit and win a game. And once you get lost in that, the adrenaline starts flowing. It's the same. You're still seeing celebrations. It, it's the same game. I for one. Thought it was great. I thought they did an awesome job, as good a job as they possibly could have done. The only thing that got a little annoying was every announcer, and it wasn't it wasn't multiple times by one announcer. It was just every announcer in every game you watch. And I was watching Red Zone, yeah. So I kept getting, I kept Same getting thing. it. Was oh, and the crowd goes wild. Oh wait, there is no crowd, and it was funny the first like eighteen times, and then it was like, all right, guys, we get it. The only time I really noticed because of the ambient noise and the way they normally shoot a football game. The way they normally shoot it, unless they're coming back from commercial and they shoot the crowd, 
or during a field goal, if, if you're going from like the, 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 the view of the kicker towards the uprights yeah. and you see the, the crowd, you don't see the crowd a lot in an NFL game anyways. It's true. It's true. So the way they shot it, in adding in the ambient noise, I think they let them go up to 75 decibels, which is... Fair. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's noise, but it's nowhere near a regular stadium, but it's kind of trying to help the players with some normalcy. I thought it was great. Yeah. The, the NFL, once again, took a, a, a lemon that would have, you know, made baseball sour, and they made lemonade out of it. They, they made it work again. So for all the, the, the other noise about kneeling, not kneeling, flag, anthem, the actual product on the field when the game started was yeah. awesome. I loved it. It was great to have back. And hats off to the NFL because they did a great job. Can I get a, just an aside? To, because this is this, this has happened before. This is not, not new. So I watched the game on, uh, a sports app. I'm not gonna name the name because yeah, they're not a sponsor. Right, so. they're not paying us to say it, so I'm not gonna endorse them. But, um, I've done, I've watched it on there before. You know, last year, year before, if I if I can't get in front of a TV that, that has access to cable, I'll pop it on and boom. You know, there'll be. Is there a litany of options? No. There's like a 1 o'clock game. Sometimes there's a 4 o'clock game. Unless there's two night games, they'll put two nights games on. But there's there's options throughout Sunday, maybe Monday. They'll put Thursday night football on too. So, but it's it's free if you have internet connection. So oh, I, could sit, I sat there and I watched the Patriots on my iPad. and I, It was fine. And this is normal. This is not this is not new to this year. This was I did this last like I said I did this last year. Yeah. I did any other time, you know. If I couldn't get Mich- you know, c- couldn't get on Michigan um, on TV to watch Michigan, I'd pop on my uh, sports app, the sports app and, and watch the Wolverines face, you know, Notre Dame and and kick the crap out of them last year. Why is it that none of the other sports I'm not saying they have to stream everything, but they could allow some games to be streamed for free for someone like me who doesn't nope. want to pay for a cable bill. Because right now, do you do you when when people talk about you know uh, go go woke and go broke um, because all the other stuff they're trying to do to for for social justice. I don't think it's that. I think it's people are trying to pare down their bills. And they're looking at the cable and saying, oh, well, well, let's get rid of that and get rid of that bill or that bill, that streaming service that they have to pay for. And if there's stuff that's free, then, okay, well, we'll access that for free. But right now we can't pay for X, Y, or Z because, you know, this person's laid off. This person's furloughed, you know. I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing some numbers. And I haven't and I heard the numbers for the NFL is down a little bit. I want to see week four, week five, the trends and see if there's a difference then. But I heard all about the NBA was down and I haven't heard anything about the NHL, but really the NHL's pushed it aside. MLB numbers were down. I don't think it has anything to do with it other than people don't have the money to spend on certain things. And cable bills, and I mean cable one. I don't mean internet. I mean. I, I have a question. How do we get on this topic? Um, the streaming. Okay. I just think I just think it's 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 
an event, it's an opportunity that the leagues could have taken to just stream a couple games a week to show the team, show the um, fan base that here, hey, here's our product. Because I, I didn't, I, think, I haven't watched an NBA game. Yeah, I haven't watched a MLB game. But well, it comes out real simple. The NFL, the, the, we did this when we did, went to the uh, the value of sports leagues. Right. When I wanted to, you know, prove to you that Major League Baseball was in fact not dead. And then after I did that, they proceeded to do everything they could to, you know, try to, you know, end themselves. Um, but the NFL is far and away number one when it comes to revenue, when it comes to uh, TV contracts, all that stuff. They have more power. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. If the NFL wants to renegotiate, these other these these stations, despite contracts, are going to come to the table and say, "Hey, we know somebody else will pay you when a contract's up. We're gonna we're gonna work with you." And the NFL is smart enough to also put provisions in contracts so they can change certain things. It all comes down to the intelligence. Like, Major League Baseball and the NHL don't have nearly the pull that the NBA would have. And the NBA doesn't have even nearly the pull that the NFL would have. I just think, at the minimum, the NBA would be someone that would say, okay, let's let's do something for the fans because we're trying to do, we're doing this for social justice. What We know what's going on in the world. Why don't we do this for the fans? Just say, hey, you know, this year we're gonna we're gonna stream. We're not gonna stream an entire series, but maybe we'll stream game two of of a first round series, and we'll stream game three of There's this. There's so many options out there for streaming services. You you can you you can you can get. Uh, there's some out there for as little as twenty bucks a month. Granted, you're not gonna get everything, but you can get some things. And a lot of it is. Uh, I don't I don't want to get too deep down this rabbit hole. But I think a lot of it is um, a lot to do with people just want to watch their sports. They don't want the politics and the stuff that comes with it. But even NFL players, even NFL players, the Houston Texans on Thursday decided during the anthem to stay in the uh, in the um, in the locker room because they didn't want to. Whether it was the American national anthem or what they're referring to as the Black national anthem. They didn't want any player to stand for one and not the other and have it taken the wrong way. They wanted to say, hey, we're really in this together. We think some of the stuff the NFL is throwing out there is just empty gestures to try to appease yeah. the masses or to try to uh, kind of calm down the angry mob. So what we're going to do is we're going to do what we're going to do this before the game and not before the game. And the players are like, no, take these hundreds of millions of dollars and put it towards programs in some of these communities that can use them and actually make a difference. And I, I, I applaud them for that. I did not see one thing this weekend from any player on the field where I was like, oh, that's out of line. These guys just, they want to use their platform to get a message across of positivity and unity. You did not see one thing that made me feel like, you watch the news, there's a slant. Yes. There's definitely a slant. Oh, yeah. I did not feel from a player perspective there was any slant. It was all, we're in this together. We're all going to solve this together. I think, so, I think Houston and Miami did it, did, did it the best where they decided to do one thing. Uh-huh. They stayed in for everything. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, hats off to whoever wants to do whatever they want to do, you know, before the anthem, before the game. You know, it, you can do what you want. You can, like you said, use your platform. I, I just think... That was the best 
example of those two teams coming together as one individuals. And and then Miami put out that uh, video before, uh, I think it was on Saturday, where a bunch of them just said a bunch of stuff. And, and they basically just said what you did is we're not we're not we don't want to do something that's empty something yeah we don't we don't want we don't want the pomp and circumstance we want actual results so i think i think that was the best and everything like i said before we move on to the actual on-field product everything i saw from players was working towards unity yeah and you get like lebron who i don't care i'm gonna say it right here all lebron does is cause more division and more problems it's not the fact he's wrong about messages and wanting to, wanting to stop this and stop that. It's the way he goes about it is absolutely terrible. And anything that doesn't fit his narrative, even if it's egregious, he ignores. Right. Guy's a joke. And I, I don't I don't care who hears this. So I was on him. I was on top. I was on board with what yeah, he was doing. I was for a while and, and then he, he jumped the shark. I'm, just I'm done turned with on, Turned on that guy. So on the field. On the field. What happened? What happened in Jackson? Let me ask you something. If you're who's more embarrassed right now, the Indianapolis Colts or the Philadelphia Eagles? Ooh, Ooh that's a that's a tough one. I gotta go. With... I gotta go with it with with the, with the Colts because we said last episode that the Jacksonville Jaguars and we joked about this, and I was partially not joking to be honest with you because I thought they were going to be abysmal. I thought they were going to probably be one in fifteen, two in fourteen. And, I, I mean, they too. still could be, I guess. I said they were barely an NFL team, and most teams in the SEC could probably beat them. And they came out, and they beat a Colts team that was kind of talking themselves up late. They were the front runners for the Super Bowl, Well, and they I think, beat I th- them. I think you correctly have pointed out on a pretty consistent basis a glaring issue. With who? Uh, with the Colts. Yeah, Phillip Rivers. Yes. Yeah. Which he, he can't win a big game. He can't win a subpar game. Which he, he proved in this game that uh, he, he can't ro- he can't throw the right team. It's Unless the he same has a guy problem. like Damian Tomlinson or like a, a game changing offensive weapon. The the guy the guy can't he can't get it done. Jacksonville he, literally disassembled their entire team, and he still threw picks. Yeah, he, they traded their best one of their best defensive players that was left before just before the season started, and he still threw two picks. Like and I get they lost Marlon Mack, but they drafted Jonathan Taylor. They have Naheem Hines. Like you have players. They drafted a receiver as well. It was pretty talented. I, I always forget the kid's name because he wasn't like a top echelon guy. He wasn't a Jerry Judy or anyone like that, but or a CD Lamb. But he was a pretty decent name. And I have Ty Hillen, a healthy Ty Hillen. Healthy Ty Hillen's a game changer when you can get the ball to him. And look, offensive players on the Colts are gonna be fine because Philip Rivers' interceptions. Only hurt Philip Rivers, but they made a. Big but then they get right back on the field, and he just keeps throwing more. But and then you more, have and more. They made a nice defensive trade too. Uh, um, DeForest Buckner. Yeah, he can't. He can't stop Rivers from throwing picks, though. That's true. Like that's the biggest. That's our biggest problem here, and and you, I didn't you correctly call the Colts getting Rivers, or was oh no, that was Teddy. Yeah, it's Teddy. I'll say this much: Philip Rivers is a very religious man. And apparently divine intervention itself cannot keep Philip Rivers from throwing interceptions. So I don't think anybody can. But, man, surprisingly, eh, I don't know. I thought the Washington football team, I, I, I still struggle to not call them their old name. Uh, but uh, 
I thought they were going to be better than they were last year because I love Ron Rivera. I right. love Coach Ron Rivera. That was an awesome pickup. I cannot stand Daniel Snyder in that organization. Ron Rivera is the bright spot uh, as far as that front office goes. He's a class guy. He's a hell of a coach. And, I mean, the guy's even battling cancer right now. Still coaching. Had a planned IV at halftime. And he was so drained, Dwayne Haskins, the second-year quarterback, had to give like the pep talk at halftime. And, I mean, Coach Rivera is standing right there. So, I mean, all football things aside, a sincere hope for a speedy recovery for Coach Rivera. They say what he has is controllable right. and curable, and hopefully he just he gets better very, very soon. But he has his team ready to play. I'm just glad Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins didn't get Josh Rosen. That's all I'm happy for. Like I, I felt like he was shoved into an opportunity that he wasn't prepared for because of the coaching staff, because of what was going on. And and Rivera came in and gave him a, a clean slate, a fresh start. And, and what do they do? They go out and not, not, I have to admit this, Chris, I did enjoy seeing the final score after the game was over just because well, you can't see the final score until the game's over. Oh, so yeah, good. but I mean, like, I just enjoyed it a little bit more because I knew Carson Wentz just well. Here's isn't the, here, what here's he the is. thing. I have an honest question for you here. Yes, and, and you obviously can answer whatever whatever you really feel. But my honest question: Okay, we know why the Colts struggled because Philip Rivers cannot cannot help himself but turn the ball over during big moments. Correct. So Jacksonville, who was down a majority of that game, ended up coming back. Philip Rivers. Can't mount a comeback if he doesn't have LaDainian Tomlinson. Right. Which has been a long time since he'd had him. And so we know what happened there. As a game, that's a team in Jacksonville who got absolutely zero respect from myself included. Despite having a few talented players. They apparently just didn't know enough to know they weren't supposed to do good. And and ended up winning. But the Eagles got up 17 to nothing. Looked like they were going to rout Washington. And then they don't score again. And they just look like the team that put up 17 points, they're like falling over themselves. So I know Miles Sanders was out. That's a huge factor. A huge factor. Because huge. I think I think Miles Sanders, at this time next year, we could be talking about Miles Sanders as a top five running back option. Yes. I really think he has that level of talent. He should be back very soon. He has the lower body. I believe it's a hamstring issue. He may even be back this upcoming weekend. That's going to help them a lot. They have a young receiver. And Jalen Ragar, they have, you know, um, oh, I'm God. surprised to see Deshaun uh, Jackson. Deshaun played, Jackson, yes, played a full game. I'm surprised he played a full game and didn't end up on season-ending IR after the third quarter. Uh, that seems to be his big move. But uh, and Alshon Jeffrey, whatever, if he's even playing, whatever he has left. He's what not. happened? I know all that stuff, but what happened to this team? That defense was supposed to be remarkably better. Yes, by the offense. You know, short up some some weak spots. It's not like Boston Scott and Corey Clement are brand new to this offense. They know what they're doing. It's built around Carson Wentz. They have some receiving options. They have two stellar tight ends. Dallas Goddard is extremely underrated. Zach Ertz had a pouty face because he doesn't know if the Eagles want him. I wouldn't want him either. Um, because he have an offer of a contract extension. Because for some reason he thinks he's on a league with George Kittle and uh, Travis Kelsey. And prove it. Well, prove it. Okay, four years ago. I tell you, you might have had a point. 
But Zach Ertz right now is not on their level. Now, in the tight end, the tight end, you have Kelsey Kittle. You can go one, two. And I kind of fluctuate back and forth. It depends, you know, depends what kind of game you're playing. Yeah, Mark Andrews is right there. Oh, right man. there. He took a he big is phenomenal. Jump. I have him on all three of my fantasy teams. I was thrilled because I started him. He is he's gonna be a monster. Uh and then right below him you have guys like Ertz and, and you know whatever. But or no, you probably have Darren Waller and then Ertz. Maybe I'm missing some guys in between. But the point is, regardless, he's not an upper echelon elite tight end any well. For a tight end, he might be because they're such a shallow position. But he's not the kind of guy they're going to throw George Kittle money at in the beginning of a season. No. He's the kind of guy who they may give him an extension, but they're going to have to sort out some other things. Uh, the Eagles' cap situation isn't exactly uh, clear as day. No. They probably couldn't give him an extension even if they wanted to right now. There would be, it would be, I, I mean, I say this with a caveat. That I don't understand the cap because for some reason they just keep signing these contracts. I, I just don't think it's cost prohibitive for them to sign him to a contract extension now because they need to figure out. There's, there's other things they have to do. But my question before I got off on that rant was, what happened this weekend? I will. I will tell you, Chris. And, and I'm, not, I'm not asking that because I know you're going to try to give you're going to give some smarmy remarks because you know no, some people I'm, listening are Eagles fans. Give you facts. I want an honest response based on what you know about football. Facts. You can't turn the ball over three times, as as at just Carson Wentz. You can't. <laughs> Philip Rivers says, "Hold my beer." <laughs> he threw two picks and he fumbled twice and he lost only one. But you can't turn the ball over three times, and typically expect to win the game. Like that's and and, and I'll I'll add this as a a little a seasoning on the top. Jalen Rager had one catch. How many targets? Four. Okay. So I don't, I don't understand. Like, like we discussed, what was it, um, Mike Evans Mike before? Evans, yeah. How he had, oh, he had four oh, targets. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about Tommy in Tampa. We're gonna um, talk about that in a minute. But, but we we talked about that, and you explained to me because you actually got to see, um, some of the plays. So without seeing the context of the throws to Jalen Rager, but one reception on four targets seems a bit low. Two catches for Deshaun Jackson on seven targets. Seems a bit awkward. It just, there's, if you look through his his targets to receptions, and I understand sometimes it's the receiver's fault, sometimes it's the uh, quarterback's fault, sometimes the defensive player makes a play, but it, there's a lot of, there's 42, com, 42 targets and 24 receptions. That math doesn't work out too well for success in my opinion and then obviously miles sanders being out really hampers what you can do offensively yeah that's probably like taking everything into context the biggest factor is miles sanders not being there and their defense was supposed to be better and they put up seven they're up 17 nothing look like i said i have more faith in Dwayne haskins than a lot of people had i did, i'm not saying he's patrick mahomes or lamar jackson but i think with a guy like ron rivera as the coach Dwayne Haskins is in a really good spot. Yes. Uh, I think they have uh, Terry McLaurin as a great young receiver. Uh, they have they have some other pieces there on offense. Their running back is kind of a mishmash, but Peyton Barber looked really nice this weekend. Uh, I mean, I mean they didn't even they, use they, their the thing that they, they the Eagles are up seventeen nothing. They they had something figured out. 
They didn't even use their 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 running back they drafted Bruce Love out of Sanford. They used yeah. they used Anto- Antonio Gibson, who was the projected starter. They used Peyton Barber. Uh, obviously, Dwayne Haskins surprisingly ran seven times for seventeen yards. And then they sprinkled in J.D. McKesson, which didn't really produce much. But, yeah. And they have some, you know, nice pieces on in the receiver. And Terry McClellan's the, obviously, top echelon in this receiver class. But, you know, you're going to piece it together. Ron is going to piece it together. Yeah. He's going to make – He's he has the capability of taking a 6-10 a and 10 team. And maybe, maybe I'm being a little too aggressive, but making it 10-6. Am I am I a little over the top on that or no? I would you go on ten and six. I don't know. I'd, I'd say eight and eight is optimistic for Washington right now. But I mean, he he, he could take a team and that's you know below standard and and give it a little extra bump. Well, I've been saying it since they signed him. They right. got the best possible guy they could have got for that team. Well, I'll say this: congratulations to Jacksonville. Yeah. Congratulations to your NFC East. Leading Washington football team because the Giants lost, right? The Giants lost. So once again, between Oof. the Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles, it's a game of hot potato. Who does not want to win the division? Uh, I know it's only one week, but I mean, it, it, it. What I saw from Dallas, what I saw from Philadelphia, uh, the Giants are a team that's in flux. They're trying to figure some things out. Uh, <laughs> more of the same in the NFC East. Uh, that's, you know, I don't know. Uh, what do you want to get to next? Want to talk about the contracts, or you want to talk about the three quarterbacks? So let's do the contracts real quick because we just we're just gonna kind of yeah we have, we have more we we're not gonna get too deep into this because we've we've been discussing contracts and the craziness because again we don't know with no fans in the stands at least for the early part of the season in most stadiums what the salary cap is gonna look like next season could be drastically reduced, but Dalvin Cook. Alvin Kamara, Cooper Cup, all great players, all deserving players, all got big contract extensions with big guarantees. Absolutely. Uh, good for them. Uh, again, I think I, I think I texted you this after you asked me where the hell the money's coming from, and I said I think every team in the NFL just has decided that if they all go over the cap, blatantly over the cap, they can't make us release all of them. That's true. So expect the Patriots to sign. Cam Newton to a 25-year, $3 billion extension tomorrow. It's interesting. I just, just as a side, it's interesting because um, when we talk about contracts, we always go to the same stat every time, right? We don't we don't bandy about between, well, what makes this person the highest pay? What makes We go AAV. Because that's objective. Yeah. Alvin Kamara is now the third highest paid running back in the league. Okay. I, I'd say, look, he can't. He does. He can't physically, and he proved this last year. He can't physically maintain an entire full season as the number one guy being used or overutilized. That's why they have Latavius Murray in there to take you know some carries over for him during the game. I can understand why they would do that because aside from Christian McCaffrey, you could argue the best all around running and receiving back in the game is Alvin Kamara right. because Saquon Barkley was not awesome last year, although it was injury. And he looked awful yesterday. I mean, he's athletic as hell. He can he can do that hurdle move. But, I mean, he had, I think, six catches for like 50 or 60 yards. He ran for nine yards. <laughs> he's The Giants need way more from him than that. And, so And Dalvin Cook is tied for six, which I think is representable. 
Yeah, because Dalvin Cook is mainly uh, just a pure running back. He's going to be like a Nick Chubb. Yeah. He's he's going to get – no, he might get three to five targets a game, but it's all going to be short. You know, it's him with that guy, Derrick Henry. It's all going to be very short screen passes just to try to throw the defense off for play action purposes. They're not they're they're not they're not gonna line up this guy as a receiver and throw thirty yards down the field him like they would a McCaffrey, like they would a Kamara. Uh even Zeke Elliott gets out there and catches quite a bit. So I mean good good to, good for those guys again. Yeah. Uh I wouldn't turn down that kind of money if I could get it. Not you know, get your money, but yeah. I don't wonder what a lot of these teams are gonna do if these contracts don't the salary cap does not end up where they hope it does next season. And it just it, it just to, to, to put a bow on it, it's interesting that um, Cooper Cup's now the uh, 16th highest paid. Did I count that right? 16th highest paid, I think. Or 12th. 12th highest paid uh, wide receiver in the league. AAV, obviously. Um, yeah, and he's done for punt returns, run blocking, and third down receptions. So. Like he's, he's, he's around AAV. He's around Thielen. Uh, he's just above... Landry, Adams, Diggs, so it's it's about right. Yeah, I put him in there. Yeah. I put him in there. I'm not, I'm not. I don't think he's a Hopkins level, but he's he's in there with Diggs and Landry. All right, which which one of these quarterbacks you want to hit first? Well, uh, I mean, we we know which one we're going to land on most, right? I mean, we're probably going to talk about Brady the most, but I, I really don't want to do that. Look, here, here's the thing. I, I put these three down because it was just a difference between them. I put down Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and Mitchell Trubisky because. Roethlisberger looked like yesterday. I mean, he didn't throw for 500 yards or nothing, but he looked like a guy who, despite James Conner going down to injury again, looked like a Roethlisberger who can lead the team. He made sure he went by before the game and he talked to everybody and shook their hand on that team. He solidifies that offense, not just that offense, that team, and makes them better. Like, he is a team leader. He is a leader on the field. It's so weird to see the guy, what he's turned into in the first couple years in the league from that party boy who was in trouble for all sorts of crap to the dude he's turned into. He looked great yesterday. You know, he's got the sleeve on his elbow to keep it warm so he's, you know, it doesn't, you know, risk injury if it, you know, muscles get too tight from it getting cold or whatever. He looked great. Can I, can I just say, the positive one positive I have just looking at the stats I didn't get to watch the game, but this is the difference between Roethlisberger and the gentleman we'll talk about in a minute or two. Is this is I know this is just the first game. Chase Claypool, do you know who that is? No. Okay, wide receiver. They drafted him in the I think early second round. Okay. Of this past draft, so he's a rookie. Right. He got two targets, two catches for 39 yards. Not that big of a deal, but he is involved in the offense. He's a. And he's big, probably what the fourth receiver, I would oh, say. He's a yeah, and he's a big. He's big. Right. He's six four, six five. Like I saw his measurables, and I'm like, whoa. But you know, you, you got Juju, you have Deontay Johnson, you have James Washington. Oh, Juju is so happy to have Roethlisberger back. <laughs> he can be Juju again without having to try to. Be a star receiver with a third string quarterback throwing to him. Absolutely, uh, you have two good tight ends in Vance McDonald's and Eric Ebron. Um, we'll have to see if uh, Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell takes the receiving role uh, away from 
James Conner because clearly James is just not going to be able to stay on the field. No offense to the kid. He's just not going to be able to stay on the field. Yeah, he seems like a really good dude, too. I just think you always see like video highlights of him like oh, yeah. bought his dad a truck, bought his mom a house. Like it's a shame because uh, you know his career is not over or nothing. No, he, no. he could still bounce back and be okay. But he seems like a really nice kid who just cannot catch a break health wise. I just I just like the and we'll have to see how the season evolves. It just seems like I'm going to get this kid involved early, which is kind of the opposite of of Tom. Yeah, because what did Tom do? like Tom? And we'll have to see how the season goes hey, on. With he's with, not one of us anymore. Tom the, Brady. Tom Brady. He doesn't get a nickname anymore. Sorry. He he lost that when he just talked trash about our organization the minute he the minute he left. It's fair. So so, so Tom Brady, like like he, almost seemed to purposely not target Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, because. Oh my God! They they took one extra step on their route, and then they made their move. And they didn't know better. Or they're freaking out. Like like we discussed, Jacoby Myers said he was like so on edge to make a mistake because he was worried he was going to lose his position, lose playing time, that he made mistakes. I just think I, early early onset, it seems like there's a – and this is actually – and honestly, this is a – Roethlisberger thing that's been going on for years because what, what does he do every, you know when when Pittsburgh drafts the receiver because it seems like Pittsburgh just drafts receivers like crazy yeah they, they turn them out like nothing yeah so it almost seems like for all his faults there's one thing that Roethlisberger does great he just clicks with young receivers and they just gel because you know what he probably has the right demeanor with the owner where he doesn't feel entitled and, I mean, it's been no secret. I mean, that's one of the things that I think Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was Bell. It would have been Brown, Bell, Bell or Brown, one of them, who was complaining how, how tight Ben was with ownership. Well, yeah, you're the star quarterback and the highest paid player on the team, and you're the guy who makes the offense run. Of course you're going to be. I would not be surprised if Roethlisberger has input with drafting and bringing these guys in. It's possible. And they, they were talking about on Thursday's game with Mahomes. The Chiefs went to Mahomes and said, hey, we're looking to draft an offensive weapon for you. Who are you looking at? And he said, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And they drafted him because they knew they knew Damian Williams wasn't going to be their long-term running back solution, although he's been great with them. They knew you know something could happen. They were going to need to have that secondary guy because Kansas City's offense really, really benefits, this, even with Patrick Mahomes, really benefits from having that back that can run, receive, you know, the dual threat. And you have a fixed cost for... Well, he was a first-round pick, right? Clyde Edwards was? Yes. Yeah, he was the last so pick in the so first round. Fi- you have a fixed five-year, well, four-year, and then a fifth-year, if you choose to right. pay up, of costs where you can project ahead. Okay, because if you're Kansas City, you need to make sure you project ahead your dollars to make sure everything fits. So well, they, well they just took $12 and made it into like half a billion, right. so they're, it's, they're it's, fine. It's, it's, they, know, they know what they're doing down there. So what about Mitchie three picks? Uh, Mitch Trubisky... I just I, I encourage people to not overreact when it comes to him. Either because way, either way, he, he, either way, yeah, you're gonna have to see more from this guy before you can even hope that he's turned the corner and become the quarterback. They traded all those picks <laughs> to move up one spot to get. Let's remember they didn't I, pick up the fifth. They year didn't option. pick up the fifth year option. They didn't have the faith in him. They traded for Nick Foles, and then they were like, oh well. 
well, we're, we're, we're going to start him over Foles anyways. And they start Trubisky, and he looks absolutely terrible. Until the fourth quarter what the hell of game that? one of his fourth season, all of a sudden, he's Peyton Manning in his prime. And it's, oh, this is Trubisky we've been waiting for. Let's see a little bit more than 12 minutes of game time before we put him in Canton, Ohio. Like also, this, can we have you an, need more from this guy. Can we also have another aside for the Detroit Lions? They're missing somebody. Someone very important to their offense. I don't I don't see Kenny Galladay on their stat line. Why does Kenny Galladay affect Mitchell Trubisky? No, no. I mean, for, for Detroit, though, this game, because they, they were leading for a good portion of the game, right? Oh, yeah. So, albeit they should have won this game, but... As far as for the Detroit Lions, that's a big factor not having Kenny Galladay. Well, they should have won anyways because there was eight seconds left and DeAndre Swift literally had a wide-open touchdown in the end zone and he dropped it. So they that, that the Lions literally dropped that game away yeah. on top of it. So, I mean, it's it just it, it's, it's different situations. It's There isn't really a correlation between Roethlisberger, Brady, and, and Trubisky. It's just... Different outcomes based on how quarterbacks approach things. People say Trubisky's a really nice dude. He's just not a very good quarterback. And before I'm going to even pretend he's on uh, the same plane as anybody you could say is good, I'm going to have to see a season of consistency out of him. I'm going to have to see him go through ups and downs and maintain a positive level of play because we have not seen that for the first three years of his career. Well, Chicago essentially told him that this offseason. Yeah. By saying we're not we're not giving you a fifth year option, and you basically need to play this season for your contract. Now, if you go out and have a great season, like well, he's on track right now. As crazy as it seems, because I remember texting you at halftime and saying, "Look, Mitchie's doing what Mitchie does. He didn't throw a pick, but his his percentage completion percentage was god awful." And then all of a sudden, this happens. So. You're right. You need to temper expectations after one game because they do play in a division with Minnesota, who is better than Detroit. And for all the the shade we throw at uh, Aaron Rodgers, they're still a good team. Absolutely. They're still a good, nice construction. They're still playing in the NFC, which, which uh, has the Seattle Seahawks, which has the 49ers. The Kyler Murray-led Cardinals, which turned the heat up late in the game. And I don't know who else I'm forgetting, but that's all the NFC West teams. But still, you have teams you have to go through. And I need to see, I agree, you need to see more than one game from Mitchell Dubisky to think he is anything but a substandard quarterback. I mean, if his three seasons or any kind of previous seasons are any kind of indicator, he's not even substandard at this point. I just want to say one thing about Aaron Rodgers. I only throw shade at Aaron Rodgers in reference to him being the greatest quarterback of all time. True. That's it. I've never said he's not talented. I've never said he's not a echelon. I've never said he's not borderline elite. I don't think he's there permanently anymore, but I think he does go back and forth between there. I just don't – people saying, especially the last couple of years, Brady was in New England, how – Aaron Rodgers is really the GOAT. He was really the best of all time. Uh, is absolutely beyond absurd. But that, that's why I that's why I throw shit at Rodgers. No, it's fair. not a talent thing. I he has the talent. But 
All right, we didn't we didn't mention actually we didn't mention much about Brady in that segment. Not yet. Brady didn't didn't look great. He looked like he was trying to run New England's offense uh, in Tampa when you have a coach like Bruce Arians who wants to be the cool dad and let their kids do whatever they want to do, and then they run around all off season, you know, making stupid YouTube and Instagram videos and not practicing like they should be, uh, and then you go out there and you get run down by uh, by New Orleans, and Brady doesn't look good. And he looks frustrated, and he can't reach Mike. I watched the game. I watched the majority of it on Red Zone. Look, we're we're Patriots fans. I got I got I got love and appreciation for what Tom Brady did when he was here. Like I said, I got a quite a little bit of bitterness towards him for the way he acted and the way he talked about my favorite team when he left. Now this team gave him a chance, and he repaid them with stellar play for twenty years. But the minute he left, all he was doing was running it down. How he was he was upset that. Um, the last couple of years, well, you mentioned about how he would get kind of like pouty face the last few years, right? Because if if a, if a new player who he didn't pick messed up, he just wouldn't throw to him anymore. Well, apparently that's because his last few years he was hanging out with Peyton Manning a lot, and Peyton Manning was saying how he got to choose his receivers. That's fine. Peyton Manning didn't do what Tom Brady did in the playoffs. He did it to a much lesser extent. He got two Super Bowl rings, and that second one was let's face it, because of Denver's defense. Cared. Denver's yeah, defense. Absolutely. But this is not, you know, to sit there and say, oh, I wish I'd been able to pick, I wish I'd been able to do this, I've been able to do that. Well, guess what, Tom? Guess what? Now, it's only been one game, but based on your attitude in the offseason and how you've acted and how you played and how you were already looking pissed off at your teammates and looking all pouty-faced, how you couldn't hit Mike Evans, an all-world receiver, you couldn't get within five yards of him, 30 yards downfield. If you had just shown where the ball landed and didn't say who the quarterback or receiver was, you would have sworn that was Josh Allen throwing the ball because he couldn't hit water falling out of a boat once he got past 15 yards. And that's been a knock on him for years. And it's been a little too extreme until the last couple seasons where it's been justified because he has not been able to throw a deep ball. Exactly what we thought would happen, happened. Well, you know why it, was, it wasn't as glaring? It's because... Uh, Bill and Josh kind of catered the offense and catered the talent to yeah, what Tom could do. But um, he was pissed because he didn't actually get to pick the players himself. Well, guess what? You're not a manager. You're not a coach. And if he picked the players, guess what would have happened? He wouldn't have been able to hit them because he, if he can't hit Mike Evans, then what receiver would have would have he wanted to pick in the past three or four years that – he would have been able to hit. Yeah, because there's very few deep, better deep ball receivers than Mike Evans. Yeah, Evans, Hopkins. You might have something one or two that are as good, but nobody better. Okay, was he was he gonna but, do anything with Julio Jones? Well, Julio Julio does a lot of like shorter routes too, though. But his game breaking ability is to high point a ball. Sure, sure. On a deep throw. But you see, Matty Ice. He uh, this weekend he right. threw a bunch of them, nice deep balls, not and not like intermediate like. Between intermediate and deep, and and Julio was yeah, right. You're there. right, because Hopkins does that too. So yes, that's yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we've run down Tom Brady enough and everybody else. So let's get to Banker Tank. I yeah, know you don't get, want to. I don't want to. You had a terrible. I don't, I don't know if you've seen what happened. Awful. But you were awful last week. Awful. You went one in five. You were like the Philip Rivers of Banker Tank last week. No, I wish I was Philip Rivers. This is worse. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. You are worse than Philip Rivers. Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we're you know, I was I was I was four and two. I did pretty nice good. Nice job. Nice I job. Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. Um, I, I almost feel bad about running you down right there. Almost. Almost. Uh, but we're gonna we don't have to review that because we know who we picked and you can go back and you guys should go to bctspod.com and we put up the uh, the the list of banker tanks. So if you want to see who we picked and you can maybe drop Ben a message telling him to do better next time or wishing him luck and helping him do this rough time. Thank you. But we're gonna do the same way we did last week. We're just gonna say bank. Mm-hmm. We're gonna run down to three. We're gonna highlight one and then move on. And then do our game of the week and get out of here. So, week two, Ben. Your bank players are Tyrod Taylor going against Kansas City, Nick Chubb going against Cincinnati, and Henry Ruggs the third going against New Orleans. Henry Ruggs the third. I know I've talked him up pre-draft. During the draft, after the draft, training camp, I, I love, I love what the kid brings to the table. He had, he he sparked a little bit during this past weekend. I think this will be his coming out game against New Orleans. Uh, something tells me that he's just going to break out because he is too talented to get to be tied down, and Chucky's going to see. What he did this week, and then he's just going to expand and expand and expand it. And it's just, when he explodes, it's going to be six for 150 and two touchdowns. Mm. And you're just going to be like, whoa. Well, that's why they drafted him, to take the top off the offense. They drafted him to do what they wanted Antonio Brown to do before he lost his mind. Correct. So, all right, for me, my bank players, Joe Burrow going against the Cleveland Browns. Well, not just him, he has the rest of his team with him also. Uh, Raheem Mostert going against the New York Jets and Chris Godwin going against the Carolina Panthers. I know everything I just said about Brady, then I picked Chris Godwin to bank. But I'm going to highlight Joe Burrow. Yep. Uh, Didn't have an awesome week, week one. Rookie quarterbacks often struggle. It's understandable. Chargers defense is not exactly nothing. They have a very, very good pass rush. And I know they don't have Derwin James, but their secondary is still not garbage by any means. No. Solid defense. Pass rush against a young quarterback. There's a lot of things there. New receivers, new coach, completely new. I mean, new quarterback. I know he's the quarterback, but it's a new quarterback. You're trying to get all this stuff kind of melded together. And you still need to feed Joe Mixon. And you got to feed Joe Mixon, which is one of the reasons I, I, you know, Mixon struggled. All the new things as well, new receivers. There's a lot of new going on there. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and have. Uh, a, a game like Aaron Rodgers did last week or Patrick Mahomes. But you can bank on him if you need him to not kill your team. He's going to show Baker Mayfield what he should be doing. And I don't think Cleveland's defense is going to be able to slow down Mixon, which means he's going to have more time to throw right. to his talented Arsenal receivers and tight ends. Then he's going to have a good game. Now the negative. Who's your tank players? Tank players. Quarterback Carson Wentz going against the L.A. Rams. Would you just write in Carson Wentz? It's like an automatic if you forget to pick. Uh, well, I needed to get my. I wanted to get one in early this season so that way I can have another one later. Because what the Eagles said about their wins. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> Ronald Jones uh, going against Carolina, and then Juju Smith-Schuster going against Denver. Ooh. I'm gonna uh, high point uh, Juju. Uh, Denver's Denver's defense tough. 
Denver's defense is tough. I, I what, what he's projected to get, I think Ben's going to find Claypool a little bit more this week, as I think he's going to see the upside. Uh, he's, I think he's going to, I think he's going to see a young Plaxico Burst. And if you remember Plaxico Burst, he loved before the foot thing. Before the foot, okay. He, Roethlisberger loved throwing the Plaxico just because you couldn't cover him in his prime. And I just think the defense is going to try to suffocate Juju just a little bit. And then you have Deontay Johnson. You have James Washington. If Benny Smell has another game like he did this week, yeah. starting off, oof. Got other options there, yeah. All right, for me, I have my tank players are Deshaun Watson going against Baltimore, Saquon Barkley going against Chicago, and DK Metcalf going against the New England Patriots. I, You highlighted both your receivers. I will highlight my second quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, I'm sorry, man. I love you. You're, you're an all-world talent. You're phenomenal. You have absolutely not a single soul in that whole entire locker room to help you. You are on your own. You may as well go out there and have 10 offensive linemen standing in front of you and just do like an option, like a college option offense, and run it the entire time because you have nobody to help you. And you're going against the Baltimore Ravens defense, who are, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to be a shutout. You may see Baltimore, or not Baltimore, excuse me. You may see Houston put up some points in garbage time. Deshaun, Deshaun, dude, hope they fire Bill O'Brien and get you somebody in there quick because (laughs) your playing career and health as a player depend on it, but you are going to struggle mightily this weekend. And if Deshaun Watson is your hope at quarterback, you may want to look at other options because Baltimore is going to eat them alive. Yeah, it's going to be bad, man. That's going to be bad. What do you have for your game of the week? So, we talked in the offseason that eventually um, Chris Evans, Chris Evans, I don't know why I said Chris Evans, Mike Evans um, and Tom Brady are going to have that split, that moment. It's going to happen this weekend. Week two? Week two. Calling it right now. Because I saw, I saw, I don't know if it was in reference after a play, but Mike Evans wasn't happy on the bench. But honestly, you pointed out who was going to be happy during that game. For some reason, I think it's against Carolina, division opponent. They Another may, division opponent. I'm, right. And they may think they're better than Carolina, even though Carolina has CMC, and I like Teddy Bridgewater, and I think they're going to progress better. This might be the week where if if, if Chris, Chris I'll say it again. Um, if Mike Evans starts to have a game like he did last week, we could see the beginnings of an eruption between Mike Evans and Tom Brady. And how it's going to be painted in Tampa Bay is Chris Mike Evans is a diva receiver, and Tom should get what he wants. And this will be the beginning of the end for Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. Yeah, the Tom Brady Buccaneers relationship is not going to end well. No, nope. I'm sorry because Bruce Arians already already said the reason they struggled on offense was because Tom Brady threw some terrible picks. Like he's already getting on his case. Like Belichick never did. So that's the thing about Bruce Arians. He's he's the cool dad to let you do whatever you want, but then he's also going to call you out when you do something wrong, which I admire about him because he's going to be he's going to be consistent. Yeah, he's the same guy no matter what. But and he's not going to care if it's Tom Brady. He's going to tell him that pick six you threw was garbage. Tom's not going to like that. So I think it'll happen. 
don't know about week two, but I'll keep an eye out for it. That's for sure. Uh, mine, I'm going to be a homer. It's a rematch of Super Bowl 49. My opinion, the best Super Bowl ever played between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. New England at Seattle. I think it's going to be an exceptional game. Uh, I think you're going to really, you're going to find out how for real the Patriots are with this new quarterback and new offensive system. Yes. Because people talk about Deshaun Jackson, you, uh, not Deshaun Jackson, Lamar Jackson. I got You got me all, you, you're messing up names, I'm messing up names. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and for good reason. Those guys are incredible. Russell Wilson has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a number of years and seemingly gets no respect. Nothing. He did from his team. He got a massive contract. The guy's paid. He's not hurting. But, man, I saw a stat that Russell Wilson has never received a first-place MVP vote, and he has played at the caliber he's played at for all this time. A couple years ago, he had a down season for him, which is still an up season for most quarterbacks because he had both of his legs were injured. He was essentially limping on both legs. He's a mobile guy who didn't have the receivers he has now. But he's exceptional. He's going to be able to work that offense. They have a healthy running game. They have a really good receiving game. They have Russell Wilson who can move. They have a good defense. If the Patriots can go into Seattle, it's a little bit different because there's no fans. There's no 12th man. There's no crazy high decibel levels in the stadium. But it's still a long cross-country trip to Seattle. You're going to find out how for real they are with this new system. Uh, and I got to tell you, I don't think the Patriots win this game. I am a diehard Pats fan. I will be cheering for my team. I'll be watching that game, rooting for them, hoping I'm wrong. Right. The football mind in me, the, the, the guy who knows the game and knows the ins and outs and, and has been watching for as long as I can remember, I think it's possible they win this game. I don't think Seattle blows them out. But I think this is a game where the, the Patriots have not had a lot of time to gel in this new offense. And some key players opted out. All the problems people were talking about with them going into Miami, against Miami, I don't think they'd worry, struggle with Miami. They didn't. They're going to struggle with these upper-level teams. They're going to struggle with Seattle. They're going to struggle with Kansas City. They're going to struggle with Baltimore, where they play all those teams this year. Yep. They're going to struggle against those really dominant high-level teams. If they can pull it out, they're right up there with everybody again. They're right up there in the mix with everybody. If it's, they go into Seattle and they, they pull this off, yeah. you're going to find out they are for real. And rumors of the dynasty's demise may have been exaggerated. It's all about how the offense evolves. Yeah. Each and every week, can they get on the same page? Because you, you saw it this weekend. There, there were some plays where they just weren't on the same page. They pointed out in the telecast that sometimes Cam wouldn't audible out of an obvious uh, jailbreak blitz. Right. Or, you know, there was eight in the box, and it looked like they were perfect for uh, playing the read option. And uh, most of the time, Cam ran on the read option. So... You have eight people blitzing. It, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You could be Lamar Jackson all you want. You're still not going to win in that battle. So it's about how the offense evolves, how Cam understands when to get out of a play, when not to get out of a play. And, and the yeah. development of Nikhil Harry and and um, who else? And, and that kid Taylor. 
the undrafted rookie, yep. which showed some sparks. Yeah, he, he looked he looked good. He looked good along with you know, he got Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkett in that run game too. I think if this if this team continues to, to evolve the way they want to, and they will under Bill Belichick, this team continues to progress each week. If this game was week seven, eight, nine, ten, I'd say different ball game. This team is going to be on the same page. They're going to go in there and give Seattle a hell of a fight, and I think they're still going to be competitive, and they still may win this game. But I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle takes advantage of some of the things Miami wasn't able to and kind of makes the Patriots go and, and take stock and realize, okay, this new offense is all nice and cute and, and, and fun, but we got to shore up some of this stuff. So I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see the Seahawks pull it out, I don't know, like a 27-24, 27-21 kind of thing around there, but... That's all I got. Anything else for you? Uh, just that Carolina's going to win 26-14. Okay. And Tom Brady's going to throw three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Yes. Do the math there, Chris. Wait, what? Yeah. He's going to throw three touchdowns. And score 14 points. Yes. All right, we've officially jumped the shark, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get out of here. He's going to throw three. He's going to throw another pick six. Oh, okay. okay. I got you. I got you. Well, if he does, he may just break down crying on the field. And Mike Evans is probably just going to walk up and punch him. Anyway. Anyways, we're going to get out of here. Yep. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we greatly appreciate it. And if you have any questions or comments on anything you've heard on this episode or previous episodes, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. You can hit us up at the website, bctspod.com, or go on Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. And as I mentioned on the website page, we're going to have Banker Tank up tomorrow. Every player with a short description as to why we chose that player, about a, you know, half a paragraph to a paragraph. Uh, so you can go and read that at your leisure. Hopefully that'll help you with some of your fantasy options this weekend. I'd also like to say that we greatly appreciate everybody's support, everybody listening. And if you could, as always, continue to spread the word and tell people about the show, we would be very, very grateful for that. Until next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.